Welcome to FinTech, the podcast about fintechs that takes 10 minutes or less. I am your host, Josh Herman, the CEO of CU Digital One. CU Digital One is a credit union service organization, or CUSO, and is a holding company focusing on three forward-looking verticals, blockchain, digital investment solutions, and artificial intelligence. For more information, connect with me on LinkedIn or send an email to info at cudigitalone.com. And I'm very excited about today's guest, uh, Catalina Sanero. Catalina is passionate about innovation in the financial ecosystem, payments, and the evolution of value and the future of the financial sector globally. She has built a 25-plus-year multifaceted career as a successful executive in traditional and decentralized finance. She has enjoyed leading enterprise initiatives, managing a P&L, building the strategy for international business expansion and sales growth with the public and private companies such as BACT, Wells Fargo, Bank of New York Mellon, Bank of America, and into it while delivering tens of millions in revenue growth, supporting strategic partnerships, developing distribution channels, markets, and innovative digital assets and payment solutions. Outside of work, Catalina is an active contributor and member of How Women Lead and How Women Invest, a professional network of over 15,000 women. HWI is an early stage venture capital firm with a focus on the convergence of female founders and female investors. She's a founding limited partner of HWI and a member of the leadership circle, assisting the due diligence team evaluate potential investment companies. A core belief of healthy humans are healthy leaders has been inspiration and a way to lead and live, supporting social causes that contribute to advancing women in leadership, installing the value of exercise and nutrition in children, fundraising to support AIDS and cancer research are a way of giving back. As an endurance athlete, completing 22 marathons globally um, including trail races in various different parts of the world that have contributed to her love for nature, people, languages, and culture. Wow, Catalina, welcome to the Fin10 yeah. podcast. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. That, uh, thank you for your kind introduction. I'm very yes. humble by my own self. I'm kidding here. But anyway, thank you. <laughs> that was fantastic. That was absolutely fantastic. Um, so we'll, we, we keep it to a, a, we try to keep it to 10 minutes here, but if, if we go over, I'm totally, I'm totally okay with that. But we have about four questions here. Um, mm -hmm. hoping you can weigh in on. So you've been a part of some big organizations and, and projects, and we talked about some of those in the interest in, in, in the intro. Do you see digital assets being a big part of the future of finance? And then if yes, which applications are the most exciting and which ones do you think will gain the most traction the quickest? Yes, is that resounding? Yes, I do see digital assets uh, being a big part of the future of finance. And in fact, if you can visualize three bubbles, I call the traditional finance bubble overlap with decentralized finance and digital asset applications, and on top of it, artificial intelligence. And that gray area is going to be a lot of applications that I, I, I do I do think and, and I'm confident are going to take off. But it's going to take time, right? Um, recently, uh, there has to there has been a lot of negative news in the digital asset space, which in itself, right, uh, pretty much affected one of the greatest tenants traditional finance works by, which is trust. So I say to fintechs, whatever you do, you have to match innovation with trust. On the other mm -hmm. side of the coin, I would say that uh, for traditional finance. People do understand the powers of technology and the powerful aspects that technology and impact they can have on the traditional finance services that are currently available, right, to customers and members. So they know that those were a few bad actors, but it's going to take some time and it's going to take also regulation on the banking side. 
Um, and on the credit union side, it's going to take actually, you know, the homework of doing your due diligence because the regulators on the credit union side haven't said you're forbidden. They said, do your homework, go do your mm -hmm. due diligence, do what you need to do. So I think partnerships are going to be key and important. And this is, you know, a good time to tell you that at the same time, both for fintechs and um, traditional finance, one has great I would say practices that have been around for a while, traditional finance, fintechs have exciting technology, both lots to learn from each other. So collaboration, right? So this venue you're creating right now for us to come here and talk is very important because collaborating and trying to leverage the best of it, um, it's gonna take the industry forward um, and it's gonna help with the adoption of everything. It, it could take an independent audit of how we do business uh, so that it's outside of traditional finance and fintechs so they can have some say to regain the trust. That's an idea that's been floating. Not sure where that's gonna go, but at the same time, right, you just need to know where and who. This is where people like you, right? And um, I see you Digital One and your partnerships, people like the teams are SRM, uh, myself, you know, are here to work with both sides, traditional and fintech. So we can create um, almost like a, a connecting of the dots between the traditional services and the, the technology that's evolving every single day. So exciting applications. Let me just say that the foundation for a digital strategy starts with custody, right? So, um, and, I'm, and I'm a little biased, I guess, because, you know, my last employer being back, um, I was heading there, the financial service segment. And as I was learning three years ago, right, I embraced this whole area and I'm never going back to just traditional finance. I'm just going forward and taking the industry with me. I realized that one thing that was very, very, very important uh, was number one, can we make these new digital assets? an experience that myself as a member, as a customer, has a single sign-on. I trust it because it's behind the walls of my financial institution, but at the same time, I have the right, the proper disclosure. So I know that when I hit that button that says buy Bitcoin or Ethereum, whatever you're gonna do, it's going somewhere else, but those people have already been vetted by my trusted financial institution, right? So in that venue, I see um, as soon as that, I would say the industry feels more comfortable with moving forward with, um, you know, places that I would say companies like Cryptofy. That's a really good example, right? They might not be a custodian because I mentioned custody, but they do have partnership with qualified custodians. Another example would be that. Yes, right. We, you get they are a qualified custodian. They are infrastructure play, but they can also offer a trade. So I think it's exciting because. It is in the hands of the industry to partner up with the proper uh, fintech to do the due diligence, to make it seamless for the customer. And at the same time, you are making this available for generation Zs, right? This gaming, this set of people that might look at the industry as an old place to do business. But if you upgrade that set of services with something new like digital assets, there's a little bit of an attraction. What are you doing? Creating opportunities for the new deposits, retention of um, your customers, replacement revenue, because we all know that overdraft fees, interchange, things that are very good old fashioned are going down. So now I create new opportunities through digital assets while accomplishing retaining customers, growing deposits, and of course, like introducing something new.
properly, I say. So um, I think that's, that's one exciting thing, that, that whole embedded trade solution, right? In conjunction with a digital asset entity, mindfully so, knowing differentiation between duties on um, custody for digital assets. Uh, and, you know, we can get into this for hours, but uh, happy to, to share with whomever later. Uh, I'm not sure to say something. Mm -hmm. I do. That was that was that was absolutely fantastic, and and I'm actually going to replay that back later and take some notes because there was a lot of really good information in there, and, and not just your know, takeaways for CU Digital One, but also for credit union listeners on what due diligence should look like, and that's mm -hmm. not it's not fintechs versus you know you the credit union. It, there mm -hmm. should be, and you, and you said it so well. There should be collaboration between them because you can get a lot more done by working together. And having the expertise in each space, I thought phenomenal, phenomenal takeaways there. And, and you and you talked about some of the benefits for traditional financial institutions, but maybe if you don't mind expounding on, you know, so so an institution like a credit union, what what mm -hmm. are some of the benefits of them getting into the digital asset space and offering some of those solutions? So I would say um, I'll tell you one. I talk about the I call it revenue replacement. I think we all heard that term, right? But it's not always about the money we can generate out of these new digital assets. But what I even look deeper, maybe on a higher level, is at, at this uh, generational leaving we have, right? Where you, you see this, you know, the 70 plus, the baby boomers, they want different things. Maybe the traditional finance things make sense, but then you, got, you get into the X of the millennials and the Gen Zs. They are already doing business with the new banks and fintechs and and they're already going, wait a minute, this is a must have as part of my product set. So benefits for credit unions, mostly credit unions who are service the community, right? They wanna be part of what we call the financial life cycle of a human being. And if those young people start early and the credit unions take that um, responsibility of having educational aspects of why, uh, what is a, a crypto asset? Why digital assets? What are my choices? Prepare the team members to be able to have this conversation with their own members. Huge benefit. Because once you have that relationship early, it's gonna grow with you. And at some point that person should come in and look at their one screen and look at their checking, their savings, digital asset account, crypto account, their mortgage if they have one, their investments. That's the nirvana we wanna go to. And credit unions have it, they have such a close community relationship. I think they need to capture those early um, early relationships and grow with them. And I would say that would be one. So as a result of that, of course, you're going to be replacing revenue. Of course, um, you're going to get uh, additional deposits and grow your deposits. And by the way, your members are already telling you they're sticking with their money. They're taking their money to the exchanges. They're taking their money, chasing yield. So just look, like we said, right, ACH reports. And we talk about artificial intelligence, payments, money flows. You can analyze that to the T and know corridors, ages, how much they're sending, where they're going, where is it coming from, and work on it and match it against customer segments that are going to give you right the right level of understanding as to what should you be integrating into uh, your credit union services. So that, to me, the benefit of growing retention, additional revenue, and knowledge uh, is huge. I'm going to stop there.
you, you tell me if you had another question. No, I think I think that's fantastic, and um, you you kind of you kind of hit it right on with with the way that I view it as being the right mission, and that's meet your members' needs, meet your members' financial mm -hmm. needs, because as a credit union, that's what you're in business to do. And and you said it well because then the revenue replacement will, will follow that. Then the deposits will, will follow that. Right. Um, but if you do things the right way, which is to be mission focused and meet your members' needs, the rest of that will follow. I think that was a fantastic, fantastic summary and, and takeaway. If we can, I'll, we'll, we'll pivot for a second away from the digital asset space because this is something else that's, this next question is a little, is a little important to me. And you talked about your work with how women lead and, and how women invest. Um, and I'm, I'm a father to two girls and, a brother to two sisters, and, and I believe that having women in leadership positions is incredibly important. Um, as a woman executive in the financial services industry, if you can, just discuss your journey um, a little bit and then the importance of that to you. Thank you, and by the way, you kind of described some of my journey, so I, I will make a couple of comments on that. Um, I would say to all the ladies and the gentlemen, embrace your power, right? We women uh, bring a different sensitivity to what we do. Uh, to the boardroom, to the management, to the home. And I did through my entire journey. I started uh, my career at Bank of America and I started in analytical roles. I was very lucky to have a mentor who said to me, Catalina, know your numbers. Numbers tell a story. If you can use numbers to tell a story, to depict what you're trying to achieve, to back up your business plan, to tell people there's <laughs> warning, warning. Whatever it is, know your numbers. So I always say to the women, don't shy away from positions where you have to know your numbers. Then, you know, I can move on to saying one other thing, vote with your dollar. There's so much wealth in the women's side of things. When I found out that in the venture capital space, only two to 3% gets allocated to women funded and women run companies, I was like, what is going on, right? And, and a lot of it has to do because one, the women don't get involved with the, a lot of the, not everybody, but many women decide that somebody else is gonna make those decisions. So women are more conservative about the venture capital side of it. It is an alternative form of investment. But when I got involved with how women invest, yes, I became a limited partner. I'm part of the community that screens the companies. I mentor them and, and I help women stay and, and hopefully will disrupt that two to 3%, right? So. And I think lastly, I would say that um, uh, I love mid teams. I think that there's a lot more, um, of a, it's a richer dialogue. It's a lot smarter to have that right combination of men and women. So we also need the ladies to, as they prepare through these ranks, to aim for the board of directors too. Because at the board of directors, it has to be representation uh, in, in the sense of how we affect the decision of CEO, those in terms of hiring, building products, and service in the communities. So that would be my, my two cents uh, for the ladies and you know, to keep going and embrace the power. Awesome. Power. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. awesome, absolutely awesome takeaways. <laughs> and C Digital One, we're, we're still going through informing our board, but, but we're proud to say that it, it's looking like um, at least three of our um, owners are, are gonna be women-run credit unions. Um, and that's something that, that we're proud of over here as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, we're very proud of that. Um, so we, we've been doing something here on the FinTen podcast called the FinTen FinTeach moment. Um, and, yeah. and there, in, in your space, there are many looking for, for FinTechs out there. There's a lot of giving presentations to traditional financial institutions trying to gain traction. This mm -hmm. is something you've had a lot of experience in. 
Um, and to the listeners, if you can't tell from Catalina's discussion today how how well all of this information gets presented so so concisely and so usefully, uh, but as someone who has had success with that, what are some pieces of advice that you would offer to some of these fintechs? Absolutely. When uh, thank you. Um, when I joined uh, back as their head of financial institutions, I realized immediately two things. Right. Number one. Number one, my dear fintechs, I would say. Going into uh, selling to traditional finance, business development, partnership, anything is a relationship driven activity. It's not transactional. So the number one asset you have is your network, is who you know. And, and so if you know somebody who's within the bank who becomes a navigator, blah, 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 you know, that's how you go into it. And, and, and you have to be patient and understand the decision making process because it could be enterprise level, line of business driven, segment driven. Um, it could be one individual, right, who's been put in, in charge of something, but there's still gonna be a whole group of people who are gonna vote into that to whether it's risk, compliance, legal, name it. So you have to be very, very, very well in tune and have a champion to help you through. And it doesn't matter if there's a 500 million or 500 billion asset uh, financial institution. The decision-making is complex. Uh, so know that, right? It's not transactional. Two, I always say, be prepared. In the fintech world, you are powerful. You got all the technology, super smart, super vibrant and energetic. Coming to the door, understanding the basics of banking. Assets under management is not the same as total assets and total liabilities. <laughs> know what kind of bank or what kind of credit union you're walking into. Is, is, it, a, is it a CUSO? Is it a credit union, really? Is it a, is, is, is it, you know, Whatever details you have around it, you got to come in armed with that. The rest will come through because you're going to get all the questions, right? And I would say that one other thing is once you have found that champion, we used to have a say that it's, it's perfect. Make the complex simple. That person has to be able to be your internal salesperson. They got to convince the executive suite, maybe the board of directors, their own colleagues, their whatever it is, we're going to make it simple. So they connect the dots between traditional services, this new technology, and what the benefit is to the to the credit union, to their members, and to the community at large. It's a big picture and make it simple, right? And the last one I would say, plan for a long sales cycle. It's complex. It takes time. It takes people, but patience fails. Thank you. I, 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 you caught me taking notes here. I've been, I've been writing down your, your points and make the complex simple is such an easy sentence, but there's, there's yeah. so much useful information packed in that. And especially when you're talking about something as complex as, as cryptocurrency and digital assets mm -hmm. and decentralized yeah. finance, being able to make the complex simple. So you have that internal champion is, is hugely important. And then you ended on the right note there with the long sales cycle. So if you're a fintech mm -hmm. out there thinking you're going to get traction in a month, um, good luck, because <laughs> it is mm -hmm. it is a very long sales cycle um, in in the traditional financial institution space. But Catalina, how can people get a hold of you? Yes, yes. my um, email is Catalina at InMotionSB.com, strategicpartners.com. Yeah, so at InMotion.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Catalina. This Thank was you. incredibly useful for me. I have a whole page of notes here. Um, and thanks to the <laughs> listeners for listening. 
and we are yeah. out. <laughs>